I confess that sometimes I can be a big fan of Google. Oftentimes, I'm not. That is, when people are Googling me and looking for nasty things about me, I'm not a fan. But when I'm looking for something, I love that I can just punch in what I'm looking for and get information. Maybe true, maybe false, but right at my fingertips. And I, I, I tell you, I look up some weird things. One of which is this. Every now and again, I will go on a Google search of Ooparts. O-O-P-A-R-T-S. I can't remember what it stands for exactly, but Ooparts are discoveries, things that have been found that don't fit the time frame they're supposed to be a part of. Finding a uh, complicated metal gear uh, surrounded by some sandstone that supposedly took 10 million years to form. That's the kind of thing. Uh, and there are those who will argue that parts or some of them anyway, are uh, part of the result of the Great Flood. That there are those who... Uh, our ancestors before the flood were so uh, profoundly sophisticated, but there's precious little uh, evidence of it because of the worldwide flood. But every now and again, uh, something pops up. Well, I mention all that because it's time for me to go through Genesis chapter 5 for our series on the book of Genesis. And I confess that one of the reasons I'm interested in parts is because I am interested in this uh, time frame, this what in the world's going on in the world in Genesis 5? What's it like in Eden? It's almost like Eden is so different because there was no sin, because there was just Adam and Eve, uh, that it, it's just fantastical. But what was it like when there was a world where there was sin? But it was a small number of people, relatively speaking. Uh, but there were these incredibly long lives. As you read through uh, the book of, or excuse me, the chapter five of Genesis, one of the things that really stands out is uh, the ages of these characters, how long they lived. And I, again, that just fascinates me, just, just uh, plays to my curiosity. You know, I'm the kind of guy who, you know, back when people went to video stores, uh, I would look at the videos and read the descriptions, and I didn't care who was in it. I didn't care whether it was high budget or low budget. If the premise grabbed me, that's what I was interested in. So this premise, this idea that we live in this world, that these people lived in this world where they lived to be 500, 600, 900 years old. This makes me curious because, friends, remember, these are real people. Now, one of the very first articles I ever published uh, was in Table Talk magazine. I wrote a brief 450-word uh, article, I think it was, uh, about the canopy theory. This is an idea, I don't know if it was originated, but it was popularized anyway by uh, the Institute for Creation Research. And they argued that prior to the flood, uh, the world didn't have rain. 
It's true that prior to the flood, rain is not mentioned. And in the Hebrew uh, style of language and communication, they, they almost sort of take the perspective that if it's not mentioned, it's not real. Uh, but whether or not there was rain or not, I don't know. But the theory said, no, there wasn't rain. That the way uh, water was given to everything that needed it, including the plants and the animals, is that every night there was a, a, a great cloud over the whole earth, this canopy of uh, water vapor that at night it would descend to the ground, uh, leave the dew, and then as the sun came up, it would rise uh, again. And one of the theories about this, and there's, you know, there is evidence for this. You may have heard of, this is kind of an ooh part. It's kind of a, a non-mechanical ooh part. But uh, you may have heard that, uh, you know, a woolly mammoth was discovered uh, 100 feet into the ice in the Arctic Circle. And when they uh, dug him out and cut open his belly, there was some sort of uh, leaf from a tropical plant, a palm leaf or something like that, that makes you think, well, now, wait a minute. Maybe, you know, were the poles always covered in ice? Maybe they weren't. And that seems to suggest that they weren't. And the canopy theory fits with that. But the other thing that fits with that is an explanation for these old ages, that this heavy water vapor canopy would have blocked uh, more of the harmful uh, rays from the sun that will do damage to uh, human uh, genetics and, and to our health, and that that might be one reason why these folks live so long. Connected to that, of course, is that these folks uh, did not inherit a great deal of damaged genetic uh, information. That is, they're only a few generations removed from Adam and Eve when they were perfect. So as time goes on, because of entropy, uh, our genetics can devolve in a manner of speaking. Uh, and with the canopy theory, uh, that idea that it protects us from the sun, then they would, we, we would devolve that much more slowly. And that would explain these long, long lives. I also, again, want to know what it was like to live that kind of a life. If you read through chapter five, you'll read not only did they live these long lives, but at least when one of their child children is mentioned, uh, they're already pretty old. Uh, just a quick glimpse. Um, Kenan was 70 years old when he had Mahalalel. Uh, and then he lived another 840 years. Uh, now, Mahalalel was 65 when he had Jared. Now, Jared was 162 when he had Enoch, yeah, 162, when he had a child. Enoch uh, was 65 when he fathered Methuselah. Uh, Methuselah lived 187 years before he fathered Lamech. Lamech lived 182 years before he gave, or he sired uh, Noah. So I'm wondering, you know, you know, in our world, in our day, in our time, people uh, typically go through a great deal of schooling. Uh, they're born, they're reared, uh, they end up getting educated, and round about the time they're uh, finished with their education, uh, they get married, and they go to work, and they start having children. And for many people, that's in their 20s or their 30s. So does that mean that Methuselah 
was in school for 160 years? Can you imagine that? I remember being a kid thinking, okay, I only got to get to 12. I only got to get to 12. I get to 12, I'll be done. That is not 12 years old, but 12th grade. If I can get through that, then I could be done. Of course, I wasn't, but that's what I thought as a kid. These guys are not, that they're, they're older than anyone has lived since then when they have their first child, and then they live 600, 700 more years. It's just mind-boggling. But it's true. It's that world that's slowly bearing down. One of the things that, I, again, that I think defends the, the canopy theory is that the while it does slow down somewhat slowly, that is the ages drop somewhat slowly, there is a pretty big drop between uh, Lamech and Noah. They didn't, it, it goes pretty quickly downhill till we're left with our three score and ten, or if reason of great strength, four score. Well, that's what interests me about chapter five. I'm not sure uh, that is principally what God is trying to tell us uh, when he gives us uh, Genesis chapter five. Uh, instead, I would suggest that what we have in chapter five uh, is the... Uh, What's the word for it? A reflection of what we had in chapter four. We talked, if you remember early on, when we considered the creation account in Genesis one and two, how it was that God not only created all things, not only came and assessed his work and he saw that it was good, but he was also very active in dividing the word that he the world he divided the land from the sea the earth from the sky he divided this the the, the day and the night god is a god who divides and that's established in those early chapters. And then as we see in chapter four, as we've already covered, we've got this, this, this downward descent of the bad line. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Sin has infected everybody on the earth at this point. But we have one line that seeks after God, another line that flees from God. And Genesis 4 gives us the account of that line that was fleeing from God. Genesis 5 gives us the godly line of Seth. We get the wicked line of Cain in chapter 4, the godly line of Seth in chapter 5. And that's perhaps one of the reasons why there's not quite as much uh, drama or even information what are these people doing? They're living their lives. They're raising up their children. They're trying to do what God calls them to do. In fact, one of those people, of course, Enoch, he walked with God, the text says, and he was not, for God took him. Now, let me just take a really brief rabbit trail on that. Have you ever wondered about heaven. When we think about heaven, uh, we realize, I hope we realize anyway, that heaven is not the end. It's not our final state. Instead, heaven is that place where we get to be with the Lord. Amen. We get to be with the Lord in our spirits, but we await the resurrection of our bodies. When Christ returns, our bodies are resurrected and our bodies and souls are reunited just as the new heavens and the new earth become one. That's a glorious and wonderful 
uh, truth for us to remember. But right now when we die, our spirits go to heaven. And so heaven is made up of all of these people who are disembodied spirits. All the believers who've gone before us are there waiting for their body, except for three of them. Enoch has a body. He walked with God and was no more. He was lifted up in the heavens. Elijah has a body. And of course, our Lord Jesus has a body. I'm wondering, like, when we're in heaven waiting for our bodies, are we sort of like see-through ghosts? We have a you know, sort of a, an us shape, but we're transparent. Uh, and are we sort of floating around? And if so, then, you know, when we, when, when Enoch passes by, do we like, holy cow, look at that guy. He's, he's solid. That must be Enoch or that must be Elijah. I don't know. But that's good news. This description of Enoch, again, not very uh, rich and belabored. We're not told over and over again all wonderful things about him. But having had the description of uh, especially the bad Lamech, there's another Lamech here in chapter four, but the bad, in chapter five, and the bad Lamech that's in chapter four, and his uh, descending deeper and deeper into depravity. Then we get this description of the again, the godly line of Seth. They are sinners, friends. They need uh, the blood of Christ to cover their sins. But they are those who called upon the name of the Lord. They are those who called upon the name of the Lord. In fact, that's there at the end of chapter 4, right before uh, you know, after the description of Cain and Lamech and that horrible line at the end of chapter four, we read, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something here. This is one of those places. We made it all the way to chapter 5 of the first book of the Bible before this happens. But it's one of those places where I'm going to take the perspective that, and to remind you of this truth, that our chapter and verse markings in our Bibles are not inerrant or infallible or even inspired. I really believe chapter 4 should have ended with the end of uh, Lamech's sword song, and chapter 5 should have begun with the blessing of the birth of Seth and the descendants down from Seth. It seems to me that the end of chapter 4 meets, matches with, and belongs with uh, chapter 5 much more than chapter 4. Now, all of this is to prepare us uh, for where we're going when we get to chapter 6. I don't want to steal any thunder from when we get to chapter 6. But if I'm correct, if this is God uh, describing uh, this division of his people uh, 
between the godly line that calls upon the name of the Lord, that is, that worships him, and the ungodly line of Cain, then we're going to see what happens when we get to chapter 6, when these two lines come together. And I can tell you right now, it's not good. But for now, let's remember that God is showing grace to his people even now. We had the promise of the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. We had the descent into the sin of Cain and Abel. We had uh, the, the line of uh, Cain following after getting worse and worse. But here in chapter 5, we see the pushback. We see the antithesis. We see the attempt and the desire of God's people by God's grace to seek God's grace. This is a theme that's going to come up again and again in the book of Genesis, including this theme of division that we've already seen. It's going to keep coming up in the book of Genesis and throughout the whole of the Bible. But until next time, let's enjoy the blessings of seeing God blessing the godly line of Seth.